Wide open. Catch by Jimmy Over the middle on a one-handed grab. Caught by Chase. Oh my goodness, what a grab. Double team. Higgins has got the ball. That's intercepted. Only someone like Brady and Evans can this actually be caught. Hello and welcome back to Secondary Sideline. I'm your host, Tara Gillespie, and this is episode 8, 2022 in review, an episode that's going to look a little bit different than my normal content, and let me tell you why. It's because I haven't posted an episode in well over a month. We can't all be perfect, and coincidentally enough, within that month, depression rates in the United States have skyrocketed. So I thought, you know what, I'm feeling generous this holiday season, I'll just carry this weight and bring a little extra joy to all my listeners. And all seriousness, know that I've just been very overwhelmed with finals, but don't worry because I don't know if I pass, but they're finished and we don't have to worry about it and we are back and better than ever. So in a couple days, you guys will hear the week 17 updates and recap, but before we get straight into that, I just want to give you guys an overview of what has happened while I was gone and what are the big things that you need to know. In doing so, I asked some of the podcast's biggest fans to talk about something that they wanted to touch light on or a question that they wanted to ask. So let's just get right into it and talk about the big some of the big things that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Hello, Secondary Sideline. My name is Michael, and I wanted to know your thoughts on Tua's head injuries. Obviously, three concussions in one year is a lot. And it was told to the public that he was cleared by some of the best specialists in the world after his second one. I just want to know how long you would sit him out. Um, Do you think he should retire from football altogether I don't really know head injuries are kind of tough to explain or um, hard to really know the truth about all of them but something definitely needs to be done because I don't think he's got much football left if he keeps taking hits like that I talked about this in the earlier weeks after his first injury and how the NFL needed to implement some higher standards of safety But after two more in the same season, it's clear that something needs to be done. For those who don't know, Tua missed a good portion of his last season at Alabama due to hip injury, so he would know better than anyone the immense impact that injury can have on an athlete. To have to see him completely end his career over another injury-related circumstance would be heartbreaking, especially because he is so young and so talented. I know that Tua was cleared by some of the best specialists, and I'm not by any means a medical professional, But for everyone I know who has gotten a concussion, the recovery has been more than a week or two. Also, said people with concussions got them from, like, falling at jump zone, not getting tackled by a 250-pound linebacker. Yeah, I think because concussions happen so often in the NFL, athletes are cleared before full recovery. And usually it can get pushed under the rug, but two of his concussions are so reoccurring. Tonga Vailoa came out and said that he wants to play in the playoffs. Obviously, why wouldn't he? But I think that If it were up to me, I'd make him take the rest of the season off to ensure that he doesn't endure any further head injuries. Also, even if he is feeling better in the upcoming weeks, it doesn't reap any of the long-term effects or memory loss that he might have in the future. Tua finishing his career after the season would be extremely saddening, but it also might be best for his physical and mental health. I think the more realistic scenario here, though, is that Tua will continue to play, possibly in the playoffs, so let's just hope that he remains healthy. Thank you, Michael, for your question, and now we're going to move on to Maraid. Hi, Tara, and everybody else listening at Secondary Sideline. I am Maraid Skelton, and I just had a quick two questions for you. First is, 
Who do you think had the number one offense and the number one defense out of all of the teams in the 2022 NFL season? Next, and my favorite, who had the best uniform out of all of the teams? I think it might have been the Bengals, but I also think that's just the first team I can think of. So let me know. I'm excited to hear what you think. Okay, love you, girl. Okay, so I don't know that these would be statistically correct, but here are my choices for offense and defense. In this season, I feel like it'd be hard not to say the Philadelphia Eagles for offense. I mean, they drive through defenses like it's nothing, and their offense has seemed so effortlessly strong this year. I feel like you just have to say that for offense. Best defense would probably be collectively the 49ers, led by the unit Nick Bosa. But my favorite defense to watch, as we all know, none other than the Dallas Cowboys. Now onto the uniforms, which we all know everyone really wants to know. Ray took the obvious choice of the Bengals, so my pick, a very close second, would be the Miami Dolphins classic uniform. The teal, orange, white combo, you, you can't beat it. Also, I wanted to take a moment to bring this up because when the Bears came out with their debut of their orange helmet this year, I liked them, but they got so much hate, and I would just like to say it worked with their color combo, and I stand by that. So thank you, Mairead, for this very controversial question. And now we're going to move on to Bob and Anthony. Hello, secondary sideline. This is Anthony Pasquale again, this time with Bob Fiorante. Uh, we're former hosts of Football Frenzy, but we're coming at you here on secondary sideline. We're going to give you our most overhyped team going into the playoffs, the team we think that is the most overrated, and then one team that we think maybe you should keep your eyes on, kind of an underdog or a, uh, a sneaky team that we think is going to go far in the playoffs. Bob, you can lead us off here. Yeah, so for my team, that my sneaky team, let's start with them. I'm going to go with the Packers. It hurts to say as a Bears fan, but I can see a path for them to at least uh, get to the NFC Championship game. So let's say they sneak in. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to them and Detroit in uh, week 18 there. Um, and I think they're going to get in. Detroit's defense is a little is a little rough there. So if they get in, let's say they head to Minnesota the first week. That's a winnable football game. We know Minnesota. Um, they, they've struck. They've won a lot of close games. And eleven I, and zero. They're eleven and zero in one score games. So I, I can see that coming to an end. I mean, it's a that's a coin flip. It is. And I'll take Aaron Rodgers over over Kirk Cousins all day long. And then I could see them. Um, they would then head to Philly if Philly gets the one seed. I could see them pulling that one out. I, it's just when you have the better quarterback, it's it's tough to say you don't have a shot. So they're my dark horse. All right, my dark horse is similar to that thinking. Um, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All I have to do is win one of the next two games against um, Carolina and Atlanta, which shouldn't be that hard. I know they've struggled this year, but you've got Tom Brady on your team, right? And like you said, in the playoffs, a lot of times it comes down to the better quarterback. So let's think about this. They're going to be the fourth seed in the NFC. They're going to get a home game against Dallas to start off. Dallas is a good team. They have a good defense. But Tampa has beaten Dallas the last two times they've played, and Brady kind of owns Dak. So let's say Mm -hmm. they win that one. The next game, assuming Green Bay gets in, they go to Philly. Yeah. Who does they'd go? They might go to San Fran. They go to San Fran. Tom Brady or Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. So there's a path to the NFC Championship again, and then you know you get there, and who knows what can happen. I also thought about Justin Herbert and the Chargers as that uh, dark horse team, but just because a lot of talent in that AFC. There is. There's. Yeah. There is. So I'm going to go with Brady as a dark horse. Who do you think is overrated? So overrated might surprise some folks here, um, some listeners, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Josh Allen. I think he's. It's about all he, he, I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. 
Um, behind Pat? Right, behind Pat. Okay, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is I think he covers a lot of wounds on that team. Um, I don't love the defense. I mean, they're, they're last year even they were one of the top defenses. And then, best scoring defense, best And then you just offense. saw Pat Mahomes shred them. Yeah. So even if they, they still have a shot at the 1C, they control their own destiny to get there. But they got the Bengals. But it, it, right, they got the Bengals, and um, they might play the Bengals again, or they might run into Pat Mahomes. And either of those teams, I think, would beat them overall. Um, so I'm going to take Buffalo to not make a deep, deep run. Okay, you've got them as overrated. I'm going to go with pretty chalky overrated here. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think, you know, you look at a team that has won 11, 1-0 games, and this is part of my other hit on this podcast. Are they lucky or do they just have that toughness to win games? But when you look at some of the games that they're pulling out from their teeth, you got to think that they're a little bit lucky. And luck isn't going to get you far when you're going up against the defenses of Tampa Bay and Philly and Dallas, who they're going to have to in the playoffs. Good point. Um, so I'm going to say that the – It's a bad defense. It is. They have a bad defense. The Lions put up 30-something yeah. on them. The Colts put up 30-something on them. So I'm going to say the Vikings are a little bit overrated. I love Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in football in my opinion. But beside that, the team is a little bit overrated. Yeah, so a nice little short clip here for you guys. Um, overrated, underrated, and uh, and uh, that will be all for us today. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. All right, so one thing that this clip taught us is that Bob is never allowed to be featured on secondary sideline ever again for choosing the Packers as his dark horse. But I do agree with the quarterback theory that they are mentioning. When you have someone at the head of your team, there's definitely morale boost, and we have all seen the capabilities of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. They can do stuff that not many people can. My underrated team would probably be the Cowboys. I think that people understand their talent, but don't have them going far. However, the Cowboys are one of the few teams that beat the Eagles this year, and they have a strong quarterback, Dak Prescott. I would love to see them go far, and I would love to see what Prescott can do in the postseason. Now, for my overrated team, this might cost my ego in a couple weeks, but I'm going to have to say the Chiefs. I just don't think that they have an AFC championship in them, and I think the Bengals can easily take it from them like they did last year. They have the same record as the Eagles and have all the components for a successful championship run, but I'm just still hesitant to think that they can go all the way. They just barely beat the Broncos in Week 17 by three points, and one, it was the Broncos, and two, in a playoff game, being able to get that additional field goal would be a piece of cake for anyone who wants it badly enough. I could be wrong. They could blow it out of the water, but we're just going to have to see in the upcoming weeks. So thank you, Bob and Anthony. Let's go ahead and see what Danny has to say. What's up, guys? It's Danny. I'm here with the secondary sideline. We got some Monday night football stuff to talk about. Scott Van Pelt and Joe Buck have beef. Eventually, they're going to get that figured out, but I don't think Joe Buck likes Scott that much. Nobody really liked Joe Buck to begin with, but that's its own story. Jim Irsay, what are you doing? It's a hot mess in Indianapolis right now. They bring in Matt Ryan. Hope there's going to be some change after they've had absolutely no luck with quarterbacks since Andrew Luck, except for Phillip Rivers. And look at where they are right now. They're heading themselves to a top-five draft pick. That offensive line was horrible. Nick Foles looked like an old man that was just trying to find his way home. And the Chargers finally going to the playoffs with Justin Herbert. It's about time he's going to make his way there and get to the playoffs and have a chance at a Super Bowl. Are they going to go far? Probably not. But at least they're finally going to be in the big dance. It's about time that they are. So that's Secondary Sideline's introduction to the one and only Danny Berg. He pretty much says it all. Danny talked about the Chargers, and I have to say I just don't want to talk about them right now because Austin Eckler on the opposing team for my fantasy championship game, which I just took a beatdown. 
Something interesting about Justin Herbert, though, is that he was named Rookie of the Year in 2020, and I remember he was always compared to Joe Burrow, but the comparisons kind of stopped when Burrow tore his ACL. So this year, Burrow and Herbert are kind of in the same position, leading a team into the playoffs with offensive intelligence and great receivers. I think the Chargers could do well in the playoffs, but as soon as they meet up with the Chiefs or equivalent, I think they're going to end their run, especially because the Chargers are 0-2 against the Chiefs this season. So thank you to Danny, and now we're going to go back to a familiar voice, Anthony Pasquale. Merry Christmas and hello, secondary sideline listeners. My name is Anthony Pasquale. In week 15, the Minnesota Vikings took on the Indianapolis Colts and fell behind 33 to nothing. Many people were starting to think that the Minnesota Vikings looked like frauds and that their 10-3 record was not indicative of how good of a team they were. But then Minnesota rattled off 36 unanswered points and won 39-36 in overtime, the biggest comeback in NFL history, improving their record to 11-3 and their record in one-score games to an impossible 10-0. Are they lucky? Who knows? But the Vikings showed a ton of fight in Week 15. In the first clip that Anthony recorded, he said that the Vikings were his overrated team. And although I agree, I also think that the Vikings have unimaginable potential as seen in this game. I do think that the Vikings have a weakness in Kirk Cousins, yet I don't think he's bad enough to stop the Vikings from success. Regardless, this game was extremely fun to watch, and I also wonder if anyone was crazy enough to bet the Vikings to win at halftime. They probably have a large amount of money in their pocket right now and should definitely sponsor a secondary sideline. Thank you to Anthony Pasquale for your second recording, and now we're going to move on to Ava Belwar. Hi, Secondary Sideline. My name is Ava Belwar, and a specific game that I want to recap was the Jaguars versus the Cowboys. When the third quarter had just four minutes to go, the Cowboys were winning 27-10, to but just nine minutes later, the Jaguars advanced to the lead, beating the Cowboys 30-27. to The game ended 40-34, to with an unbelievable Jaguar win. How do you think the Jaguars were able to pull this win off against one of the best defenses in the league? This game was definitely another fun game to watch. Came out of left field and obviously wasn't as big of a scale as the Vikings game that Anthony mentioned, but still very notable. To be completely honest, I have not watched a single Jaguar game this year. I feel like they're just one of those teams that are just there. The name to look out for in this game, though, was Zay Jones, who put three touchdowns on the board for Jacksonville. Coincidentally enough, I have Zay Jones on my fantasy team. What's also just hilarious is that I decided not to play him that day, a day that he put up 28 points, so it wasn't exactly an outcome I was pleased with. But to answer Ava's question, I think a big prohibiting factor would be the loss of Micah Parsons, who has been out for a hand injury and was not active in this game. It's tough to blame one player's absence and say that it can drastically affect an outcome, but I think the defense definitely portrayed less physicality in this game, which Parsons usually puts up time and time again. And this allowed the Jaguars to so easily and so quickly make a comeback. Thanks, Ava, for the recap. And now we're going to move on to Claire. Hi, Secondary Sideline. This is Claire Travers, and I wanted to ask about Baker Mayfield and his performance from his last three games. He started his first game as a Ram with a 13-point comeback to secure a win in the fourth quarter against the Raiders. And most recently, blowing out the Broncos 51-14. to What are your thoughts of Baker Mayfield's arrival in L.A., and what do you think holds for him in the remaining season? So as Claire mentioned, Baker Mayfield has taken the role of quarterback for the Rams after Matthew Stafford was out on a neck injury. But first, let's talk about the Rams as a whole. 
For the 2021 season, Los Angeles blew their load and well exceeded their salary cap to get this ideal team with undeniable weapons. Cam Akers, Cooper Cup, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, the whole nine yards. And obviously it worked in their favor because they won a Super Bowl. This year, though, their dynamic has completely changed and they've been eliminated from the playoffs and hold a record of 5-10. and 10. Relating this back to Baker Mayfield, two of these wins have come from him as quarterback. And I like Baker Mayfield. I think people are quick to write him off, but he is talented when we do get to see it from him. With all that being said, I don't think that these two wins that the Rams saw were due to his influence. I think the blowout in the most recent week was just due to the complete incoherence of the Broncos. So where do I see him for the rest of the season? He plays the Chargers and the Seahawks in the next two games, and I envision a Ram loss for both of them. And then next season, I assume Matt Stafford will be back starting. I don't see why he wouldn't. And if the Rams don't keep him on the roster, then unfortunately, I think we'll be seeing the last of Baker Mayfield in the NFL, as no other teams have showed interest in him when he was dropped by Carolina. So thank you, Clay, for your question. And now we're going to move on to Declan. Hello, Tara, and to all Secondary Sidelines listeners. This is Declan Gillespie, and I have a question for you regarding my home team, the Chicago Bears. At the time of recording, the Bears' current record is a disappointing 3-12 and heading into Week 17. It seems to me as if the coaching staff just isn't able to utilize the dual-threat option of the quarterback, Justin Fields, especially as well as other teams such as the Ravens and Eagles have been able to. So my question is, if you were able to put yourself in the shoes of the GM of the team, what would you prioritize to lead the team to a better future? A new O-line, drafting some receivers, building the defense, etc. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the future of the Bears for the next few years, especially as Fields continues to develop in the quarterback position. Thank you. If there's anything this season taught us, it's that Fields is a well-equipped quarterback for the Bears. The Bears have been through several quarterbacks over the years, not being able to find one that could really do well in the offense until Justin Fields. So I think that Declan's right in saying that there definitely has to be another factor in the Bears' losses. I think we're definitely going to see some improvements next season regardless, as the Bears have the second pick in the draft and have a little more money and resources to make changes. In regards to priorities, I think it has to be number one, receivers, two, offensive line, and lastly, the coaching staff. And let me explain why. In the NFL trade deadline this year, the Bears traded for Chase Claypool, which shows their self-awareness for a decent receiver. And I think getting Claypool was a smart move, but he really hasn't shown us too much of his potential. He's been out on a knee injury for the past two weeks and overall hasn't been performing as expected. So I would hope that in the 2023 draft, the Bears just pick an outstanding receiver. Even having one great receiver can change the entire outlook of a team. This is evident through the Bengals' improvement from before and after Jamar Chase. And of course, other things came to play. But I think that one thing that could drastically improve the Bears as a whole would be one or two really good receivers. The next priority would be improvements in the offensive line. Justin Fields has had 48 sacks at the time of recording, which is clearly a problem compared to the 30 or 35 that the other quarterbacks have been getting with a more well-equipped O-line. Even with the offensive line that Justin Fields has now, Fields is great about rushing on a third down play and making it work with what he has, but I think more security would allow him to perform better and utilize his throwing capabilities. Lastly, the coaching staff. Let's focus on head coach Matt Eberflus. Do I think he's bad? Not necessarily. I just think that he has worked as a defensive coordinator for the past three years, which is not ideal for a newer, developing quarterback like Justin Fields, who is trying to adapt to the Bears' structure. 
Regardless, I think next year might be the reconstruction year that all Chicagoans have been hoping for, and I'm definitely eager to see the approach that the Bears organization decides to take. So thank you to Declan for this question, and thank you so much to all of our guests on this episode. Couldn't have recapped it without you, and I will see you all next week for Week 17.